Welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. You can follow me on Twitter. That's simply at Joe Kilgallen. Also, you can follow me on Instagram, all the platforms, all of them. I'm on all that shit. TikTok, that's Joe Kilgallen Comedy. Big shout out to all the YouTube subscribers. Can't thank you enough. My Patreon subscribers really appreciate you as well. If you're listening for the very first time, I typically have a guest this week. I will be rocking a solo. Felt like I needed to go alone with this one. But you Patreon subscribers, I did drop an hour and like 20 minute podcast with one Jonah Jerkins in which he talked about a lot of really cool stuff. We had a really fun conversation, talked about bro culture, talked about talked about a lot of crazy shit, talked about how he got to see Dave Chappelle in Vegas, and also talked about how he witnessed Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier at UFC 264, also live and in Las Vegas and what that experience was like. I might throw that at the end of this episode if I'm feeling saucy. If not, check out the Patreon, everybody, for as little as $3 a month. That top tier, that $9 tier, you get yourself a producer credit. That's right. At the end of every podcast clip that I post on YouTube, it says, executive producers, your name will be listed if you go up to that $9 tier, that top shelf tier. All right. I've had a crazy, crazy week. But I want to start off with a little bit of sunshine. You should be listening to this on a Friday. I'm going to be celebrating my eight-year wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary to my beautiful wife, who's a phenomenal human being, a great mother, the greatest mother, uh, a phenomenal nurse, and just uh, a cool-as-fuck person. And I'm incredibly lucky and grateful that she puts up with this psycho. You know what I'm saying? Very lucky guy there. So we're going to be having some fun this weekend, celebrating, looking forward to that shit. Eight years. Damn. Can't believe it's been eight years. You know, it's funny when I first started or when I first started, but when I, when we first got married, I would do this joke. I was going to say when we first started our marriage, that sounded insane to me to say it like that. I would do this joke where I'm like, you know, we just got married, all that kind of stuff. And usually I think maybe a year in, I started to do this joke. Maybe that's where the started came to. My brain got way too far ahead of me. I would do a joke where I'm like, yeah, we just celebrated one year. Eh, give us about eight. eight. Eight sounds like a good run for us. you know. And then I would say like, uh, hey, don't scoff at eight years. That is two full terms, damn it. Two full terms. Good enough for our government. Good enough for my marriage. Figure out the eight-year mark. We'll be ready for something new. We'll go hit the states. We'll hit the primaries, see what's out there. Um, of course, it was just a joke. I hope we go on 12 years. I don't know. I don't know. how. What, what do we do? Forever? Is it, is it going to be forever? That seems like a bit much. I mean, I love love her to death. I hope she loves me to death too, but like forever? Shit. It seems pretty permanent, you know? I, I don't know if I signed up for all that. That seems a bit excessive. Yeah, I mean, are you going to get bored with me after a while? I don't know. Who knows how long human beings are going to live? You ever think that? I've been, I think about death a little bit too much. That's a side of me I don't really share with people. Um. It's not so much that I think about death. It's that I think that life is so fucking short, so damn short that I think a lot of people don't realize, you, you know, some things you, you missed out on that. That's not going to happen now. Like you ever think about that with certain things? I was supposed to go to Cartagena, Colombia for a wedding last April. The wedding was going to be April 1st, 2020. And of course, a global pandemic happened and that got pushed back and then pushed back. And then eventually Columbia was like, we don't want any Americans stepping foot on the soil. You guys, this was because America was pretty pitiful for a while. Our cases were out of control and all this other stuff. Um, 
And and then the rest of the world got kind of messed up too. It's not like we were the only ones. Some people were just like, America, we're just a joke. And I'm like, nah, they're not doing too well over here either. You know, you get, I don't mind pointing fingers, but you get, let's point them everywhere is my point. And now I think to myself, I'm like, will I ever go there? Probably not. I don't, I don't think they're going to get married there. If they ever get together and have a real ceremony, I mean, obviously they got together, got a piece of paper and all that, but I don't know. I just don't see a, a chance for me ever to go there. And it looks like a beautiful country. I, a friend of mine who's Colombian, she was going to let me stay in her condo that she's got there. So I, I had the best setup of anyone there. They were all sharing some big Airbnb that looked lovely, but I had free digs um, in a good part of town too. So I was like, oh man, this is going to be fun. I'm going to eat plantains or something like that. You know, I was, I was really looking forward to it. But now I'm thinking, will that ever happen? It might not. I'll never go there. You ever think that sometimes you think like, that's my, more my thinking with, with life short. And when you have a bad temper, it really fucks with your head too. Cause every time you snap and lose your shit, it makes you go, fuck, I can't erase that now. That's there. You know, that's the problem with different types of personalities. I've got problems with anger and rage and, you know, I've got friends who have like deep, like melancholy type of depression and obviously, it's not a competition and all that. But every now and then, I think ah, what they got seems more seems better because people feel bad for them, you know. But when you lose your shit, when you have a bad temper, people are just like, "This guy's a fucking asshole." When really, it's the same. They're in the same family, you know. It's it's something wrong with you that manifests in different ways. Some people have it where it becomes like they just be like real down and, and, and sad and they don't want to go anywhere. They can't get out of bed. And yeah, that's awful. I've had moments like that. Um, few, very few and far between. I feel like, um, what I do is I compound my shit where I get really pissed off about a thing. And then I realize, well, I just fucked up. And then I'm like, well, let's burn the whole goddamn forest down now instead of just backtracking and trying to hope that people around you are forgiving which I've been fortunate enough to have, but it still, it feels like a, a stain on your record. You know, when you really lose your shit in a way that's epic and I've God damn it. I've had my share. I have had, <laughs> I've had several hundred people's shares. It feels like, and each time I'm like, man, that might be the one where there's no repairing, you know? Cause everyone like, look, people, I'm not the only one. I know this. I've seen other people lose their tempers, but you know, there's times when someone loses their temper and you're like, ah, no fucking big deal. It's nothing the next day. And then there's when someone loses their shit and people will say to you, ah, don't worry about it, dude. Hey, it's all right. It's all right. But then later, you know, they're like, I don't know about that one, man. <laughs> that one fucking went deep. You hear the shit was coming out of his mouth. What the fuck, man? Oh, you like that's that happens. I don't know. I just feel like, uh, and when I, when I think about that, I just think like, fuck life is so goddamn short. You know, I really wish you could, it'd be cool. There was that movie with Adam Sandler click, which I know a lot of people loved. I didn't, I have to watch it again. I saw in the movie theater. I did not like it because I thought I was going to go see an Adam Sandler comedy, not this fucking movie that started like the first 15 minutes. You're like, this has got a comedy feel to it. It's comedy. And then it became like this fucking depressing ass movie. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen click. It's a movie with Adam Sandler, as I said, where he gets a remote control, like control his life. Cause he was real stressed about stuff. And then he made it so like he could pause the situation. He could fast forward. He could do this, that, and the other. 
And the, I get the messages to be present. Like, and I try to do that. That's really what I'm, I'm, I realize being present is so key. And it sounds like such a simple thing that I think a lot of people take it for granted. The idea of being present and being in the moment. And that's why I love performing stand-up comedy so much is because I feel, I feel the most present there. But even at times on stage, I'm not fully present. I'm kind of, you're, you're thinking a joke or two ahead. Um, but the sets that are truly magical, any set that like you have where it's just, they're eating out of the palm of your hand, I feel like those are the ones where you're the most present. And even when you are kind of thinking ahead a little bit, you're still in the moment. You're just a little bit further. You're just, a, just five seconds ahead of everyone else. And, but you're still very much soaking in every little thing that's happening. You notice, oh, I, I saw the way she laughed just then. And then, oh, this guy's losing his mind over here. And, and then you, you're, you're just taking it all in. You're just so, your brain's a sponge. And that's why you see these, when comedians do like a callback, which for those of you who don't know, a callback is when you reference something that happened earlier. Like in your joke, some comedians will write a callback into the joke. I've got a couple here or there. I've never been the biggest proponent of them because, it's it's cool when it happens and it's a nice way to round off a set or round up a set or what the fuck term I'm trying to find right now. But it's uh I sometimes they don't come off as natural. You know? I will do them with crowd work though, which is really fun because again, it's you're in the moment. You know, someone says something and then through conversation with some other people in the crowd, you bring it back to that thing. It's people really dig it and it's it feels really awesome. Because in the moment, it's authentic. But I feel like those planned moments, a planned callback, I don't know what I'm saying. Because I know I think about a lot of comedians I like a lot will do a well-executed callback. Maybe when they're not executed well, I don't like them. But when they're executed well, I love them. That seems like the fucking dumbest statement I've ever said. When, th- when something's good, I like it. But when it's bad, I don't like it. It's basically what I just said. What a dipshit. Anyhow, everybody. Um, yeah, I hope I'm not getting dark with you guys about this stuff. But it's just a thing I've been... Um, thinking about, you know, I've been real, I've kind of lost a lot of faith in, um, in the world a little bit lately. I know I'll get out of it. I'll, I'll get out of it a little bit. I had an issue on Twitter that some of you were cool enough to reach out to me. Um, shout Chad McDaniels. That dude's been a great guy. And, you know, a lot of other people too. Um, I just realized I named one person. Now I feel like I need to name a few more, but then I'd be, I'd be naming a lot. So anyway, if you did shout out, if you did hit me up or whatever, I really appreciate it. It's really cool. You guys, um, I think what got me so down about the whole situation and maybe I'll write out a whole thing about it for the Patreon. I don't want to get too deep into it because I have a feeling that some of the haters out there are going to fucking come after me and listen to this podcast. And you know what? You're fucking sad. If that's your, your motive, okay? If that's your M.O., you're pathetic. I'll say that. I will. Because it's it's funny, too, because I made I, I made a, I made a tweet. I, I tweeted. It was late at night, and the, there was a back and forth that I thought was going down in which I exchanged. Like I thought, like, oh, and I even said, I started by going, I got one, which is just I don't talk that way. I've never said I got one and then delivered a joke of mine. You know what I mean? So I thought I was making it clear that I was making fun of the type of person who would say what I was about to say. And it was basically, I, I said, uh, so do I want to get into it? Yeah, real quick. I basically said a fan base, um, they only sold out a game 
And again, I didn't say this. This is a joke I heard like 20 some years ago on the Addison bus in Chicago. But basically that um, what I typed out, I should have put quotes around the whole fucking tweet so people understood because that, was, that wasn't the intent wasn't to do this. But I, I totally fucked up. And for that, I, I was sorry um, because, you know, people took it the wrong way. And I'm sorry that it hurt the people it hurt. That wasn't my intention. My intention was to make fun of the type of person who would say that, you know, Um and it sucks too because when you make an apology, people are like, "Well, you're not really sorry. You're sorry that you're getting backlash now." And it's like, "Well, of course that's part of it." <laughs> Anyone who says it's not, "What well, are you fucking?" In, duh, like we're, we're human beings. I always, I never got that. My whole life, when I was a little kid, when someone's like, "You're only really sorry," you got caught. I'm like, "No shit." <laughs> like, you could still do something fucked up, feel bad about it when someone throws in there, but you, but you also feel bad you got caught. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's part of the whole pro the whole thing. It's one big reason I feel bad. That's that is part of it. I'd feel bad regardless, but getting caught made me feel worse. Can we say it that way? Um, and I didn't get caught. I did delete the tweet because I started getting a lot of response where I was like, "Oh, this is I'm not going to win explaining myself here, so I'm just going to delete the tweet and hopefully no one it goes away." Of course, there were screenshots. You knew that was going to happen. Um, but you know what? I'm a comedian, so I use humor to diffuse shit. So right away, I thought, I'm like, I didn't even know this fan base was bright enough to do a screenshot. Um, ah, it's a joke. Oh, if you're listening, they're going to take this and be like, see, look, he thinks we're stupid, too. This son of a bitch thinks we're stupid. First, he makes a joke. It wasn't even my joke. Makes a joke. These fucking people. I'm sorry. I really it's going to get me in trouble all over again. I am sorry that I'll just say what it was. This was a joke I'd heard again, like on the Addison bus, like 20 some odd years ago. And I remember the back and forth was because the other fan base was wearing a t-shirt that said this stadium. Again, I'm trying to be vague enough about it, but people listening know what the fuck I'm saying. Um, this stadium world's largest gay bar, which is incredibly offensive. And they, so there was a back and forth on the bus and the other person said, Oh yeah, you guys only sell out games. I noticed, or no, he said, you guys, I noticed you guys sold out last week. Uh, when it was bring your dog to the park night because you guys all thought that meant bring your girlfriend to the park. Obviously it's calling these guys, they're dating dogs. That's what it's saying. And uh, yeah, it's an old hacky. It's like a dumb old man joke that you would hear from a dude at a bar who's, you know, eight beers in slouched over. You know, I, I thought that was clear or it's like, Oh, how about this one? You know, and I thought then that guy would send one. And then I thought we were going to do a back and forth of exchanging bad jokes about these teams we had heard over the years, but that wasn't the case. Um, and yeah, and to, to, to the women who were offended by that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry because that was not my intention at all. I'm not calling women dogs or women of any, any fan base dogs, um, and, you know, a lot of people got really, really, really pissed off about it. It is slightly funny to me that the people who, you know what it did? If anything, it just reinforced a theory I'd had for a long time that everybody, everybody is easily offended. And I know there are people who are like, not me. Uh-uh. No, that's those fucking people. These too many. Because I, I do, you know, doing comedy across the country, I've talked to people after shows and they're like, Dude, how what's it like doing comedy like right now? 
you know, where it's everyone's so fucking sensitive. And then I'm like, oh, it's fine. No, it's cool. Because I, I really do think it's cool every now. But where where the sensitivity lies is on the internet. Uh, you know, and again, you're probably listening to me via the internet right now. So I'm not anti-internet. The internet, I think, is amazing. Probably one of the greatest inventions of all time, right? But what I mean by the anger lies on the internet is because every time I see, for the most part, there's been a few, obviously, where the audience and the crowd was pissed. But for the most part, anytime I see a joke that any comedian posts where it feels like there's some sort of backlash, the audience in the stand-up clip, they're dying. They're laughing their ass off. But then the people at home who might be watching it at nine o'clock in the morning over a cup of coffee from their kitchen, they're looking at it differently. I really do feel like sometimes people are scrolling YouTube and they're watching Ted talks, Ted talks. And then it, auto plays a stamp comedian next and their brain just didn't filter out like, Oh no, this is a different thing now because there are times where I'm like, that was, you, you didn't see what the, that comic did with that. You don't understand that. That's clearly, they made a false reality and it's a silly little world. And that's not, what are you getting upset about? I don't, I don't get this. And it's a lot of people who I consider on the same side with in a lot of ways. So anyway, my, my, if I could backtrack a little bit, what I was trying to say was that there are people will be like, oh man, everyone's such a pussy now. They can't even fucking, no one can take a joke. And I go, no, people are great. I really think, I I, I haven't noticed anything. The audiences I feel like have been phenomenal since COVID returned, before COVID returned, audience were phenomenal. I feel very lucky. Like I said before, the internet's a little bit different. Um, I've had like two or three run-ins and this was the latest and biggest. But what cracks me up about this one though and again, everyone do- is easily offended. You just have to find the thing that upsets them. Because a lot of these guys who were very angry about this were the and who were kind of calling for it's hard not to say that cancel culture isn't real when people are like, hey, everyone tweet at this guy's boss, essentially, the parent company of his one podcast, and let's get let's get him in trouble. That what is what is that? You know? Um, so it's like they're basically saying that joke you made. That again, I didn't make because I wasn't my joke. I was, I already explained, don't need to do it again. So anyway, they were, they were upset about that thing. So they're, tw- it's a tweet. They're like, you're, we're mad. We're so mad over a tweet. We need to go after part of your livelihood. That that's weird to me. I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to partake in it. It seems ugly. That's like an ugly society. Um, and there are some people that need, you do need to go after if there's some, there's just, there's no nuance. There's no, obviously it's hard to convey tone through text all the time. And, you know, when you're being chummy or tongue in cheek or being sarcastic, it doesn't always come through on social media. And yeah, it's just, yeah, there are, I, obviously there are people who have like, like there's a ex-baseball player named Aubrey Huff. He is a long list of examples of being a piece of shit on the internet and being hateful towards women and being racist and homophobic and all sorts of other stuff and anti-Semitic. And yeah, that's someone you should trash and go after. But every, like people I see all the time, they're someone who makes, or they'll take the, it out of context and can't wait to destroy the person over that reason too. Another former baseball player, Jeff Francoeur, was it? Or maybe it wasn't Francoeur. It was another player that basically said, like, I really miss being able to hug people. And everyone was commenting, like, well, sorry, we're in a fucking pandemic and people are dying. Oh, you don't get to hug people. And I'm like, the dude didn't say fuck masks. 
He didn't say take your uh, vaccine and shove it up your dick. Like he didn't say any of that. He just said he missed hugging people and everyone went after him. And I researched, I'm like, he's got no history of being anything but a good dude. Like what the fuck is going on? It's this weird mob herd mentality thing. That's just, and some people broke away from it and that made, that made me feel better. Um, and it doesn't have to be about making me feel better, but they at least showed empathy. So they, they, there are a few people who were against me initially were like, all right, let's settle down. The punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime anymore, which I thought was cool. Um, cause look, I've, we've all made mistakes where we've, we tweeted and did stupid shit. I just felt like, I don't know. I felt like it was, it was a mistake that got totally over. I don't know. It just, I think what killed me though, was that nobody wants to be misunderstood. Right. And I felt very misunderstood. And I was telling people, I'm like, look, this is taken out of context. And they're like, well, what's the fucking context? And then they were like, well, if you'd explain, <laughs> like if you had to explain the joke, it's not a funny joke. Try a new career, which made me laugh my ass off because I'm like, first of all, not my goddamn joke. I didn't write this fucking thing. Uh, second of all, there is context. You just don't want to fucking hear it because you've already predetermined that you don't like me. Um, and I love that being a comedian is like the one thing where everything you say has to be funny. If it's not funny, you need to try another career. You could have a simple like explanation where it's like, that isn't funny. Try another fucking career. And all these people were like, uh, it got creepy though. Cause a few of them, you could tell, looked me up and said some things where I'm like, mm, it's a little fucking weird. One dude knew what part of the city I was from. And I'm like, I don't have that in my profile. Did I tweet that recently? Did I say, how the fuck does this guy know where I'm from? And, and he had me all wrong too. He, he had me pegged as a, a type of dude who is around where I'm from, but I'm not that fucking guy. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to go back and forth with him about that and he wasn't, you know, that fucks up his narrative. So obviously he wasn't about to do that, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's fucking hilarious though. With these team rivalries it was over sports, I remember thinking to myself, am I going to get, that's, I'm going to get fired from this one job. I'm going to get in trouble here all because of the fucking joke about this. And again, it wasn't even my fucking joke. That's the thing that kills me the most too. Cause my head, I'm like, if I'm going to get fucking torched, let it be for something I actually said. I remember thinking, like, should I start dropping links to YouTube clips? Hey, this one was way more offensive. Come on, you, check this one out. This, If you're going to hate me, this has got to be the joke, right? That, I didn't write that. It was paraphrased off of a fucking thing I heard a while ago. And then people were like, well, I've never heard that one before. And I'm like, okay, well, you're a fan of the other team. So how often are people going out of their way to tell you, oh, just because you haven't fucking heard it before? I heard it in 2000, 20 years ago. I heard it. What are you fucking 28? Yeah. I, I'm sure it wasn't eight year old friendly. God damn. Same fucking, this is, we're the tough franchise. We're the fucking blue collar fan base. What'd you do? You made fun of us. Uh-uh. I'm going to fucking, you, you're a piece of shit. I hope you fucking die and lose all your fucking job. You fucking lose. Why don't you quit your job? You think you're not a comedian. He's got comedian as bio. This guy's a fucking comedian. Hey, everybody, um, had to cut it right there for you. I figured I was getting way too ranty, and um, I probably said a lot of other dark stuff, too, that I'll throw on the Patreon. Don't want to get in trouble with my other job as the host of the Lockdown Cubs podcast, which is something I love doing because uh, the Cubs are my favorite team, and I love talking baseball, the Cubs, Cubs baseball in particular. So anyhow, though, 
I do, just to complete the episode for you, I am taking part of the bonus podcast I put on the Patreon. So non-Patreon subscribers, you guys are going to get a little piece of the Patreon. Um, Don't worry, my faithful, loving Patreon subscribers. You are still getting 70% of that bonus podcast. I'm just going to give a little bit of a taste to everyone else because I appreciate all my listeners and all their forms. Jonah Jerkins, who's a great comedian and a really great friend of mine, he was at the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight, and he basically tells me about what a thrilling experience that was to see UFC 264 live from Las Vegas. So without further ado, enjoy. So we got our drinks, we go in, and then we, we only got to see, like I think, four fights because we were late and because of this. And uh, the first fights were great. And, uh, and then McGregor comes out, and it's just like, the energy like changes. It's just like, hey, he, like that excite. I, it, it probably was what it was to see like Tyson before, you know, his troubles. I mean, it's just like, it, his, it's just a guy that is the same thing with Chappelle. It's like a guy that just like can like fill a room with his energy. And it just felt like, holy shit. Like, and walk, seeing him walk out. And even Comey was like that too, where it was just like, and his song, you know, he does the James Brown song, which is like, I think one of the best intro songs and uh, that was in the excitement before the fight and then buffers doing his thing. And that was like so fun to be experienced with. And then it starts and it's just like, fuck. Yeah. And you know, what was a five minute fight? If that. Yeah. Cause they only, they just finished the first period yeah. and first round Yeah, and they called it due to a doctor stoppage. Because, so when McGregor went down, did you go, could you guys tell from where you no. were? I thought it happened. Like, well, before that, like it's it felt very even, you know, like and there was that time when what McGregor had had him in like a had him in the headlock on the ground, yeah, and then he was like his his like legs were way up high, yeah, it looked like Poirier's and toes gripped. I thought he was gonna like break his fucking neck. He was like, I was, like, no, no, I was yeah. like, yeah, and I was like, oh shit, this isn't gonna go go well. Of course, like the girl I brought was just like she was trying to start a chant saying like kiss. She was like kiss, 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 <laughs> and of course nobody was. And then she said, like, come on, make out, make out, and like nobody was doing it. Um, and, uh, so like, I was like, this is going to be a good fight. I was like, this will go the, I was hoping it would go the distance or at least a few rounds. And I had money on McGregor. Uh, did you bet on it? I did not, but I was at a wedding and a few of my cousins did. So we snuck off to watch the fight. Yeah. And it was interesting though, because we all kind of scored a 10, nine for Poirier, but I guess yeah. the judges, there was two 10, eights and one 10, nine. I think the reason it became 10, eight. As the judges score it, they didn't realize that McGregor went to because when McGregor first went to the ground because he broke, his, he snapped his fucking leg. It was oh. I don't know if you've seen the replay; it's so gross. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like if you, if you're watching this, everyone and listening, don't even look it up if you're queasy. If you're queasy, yeah. you're gonna be like, Ugh, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, But when he first went down, I remember someone like, "Oh, did Poya hit him? What? How did he get? How did he fall?" I'm like, "Yeah, no, he just went down." And then we saw the replay, and I'm like, "I think he fucked up his ankle or his leg." Yeah. But then, you know, when he was on the ground those last eight seconds, he just had to cover up. He had no choice. Right. And then he was saved by the bell, essentially, because uh, it was the closing seconds of the the round. I feel like that maybe made it where it was like 10-8. But before that, I felt it was – I gave Poirier a slight advantage because he had a little bit more with the ground and pound. Yeah. Standing up, I gave McGregor the edge. Yeah. Uh, Poirier got a couple nice shots in there, and he, and he checked some kicks pretty solidly. But it was – that's the one thing, you know, and I know it's because a lot of people hate McGregor and McGregor's an easy guy to hate. I totally get that. But if, if you're just going, I'm a big fan of his too. He's exciting. Um, I wish he was able to handle himself a little bit better lately with some stuff though, of course, yeah. don't get me wrong, but it is one of those things where 
with uh, if, if you if you have someone who has no stake in it and you ask them to watch this and then, you know, afterwards you say, hey, th- those two guys seem pretty evenly matched, right? The, the average person on the street would be like, oh, yeah, yeah. those guys seem yeah. pretty evenly matched. I mean, yeah, the one guy was up a little bit, but I could definitely see them running that back. Yeah. Some people who hate him are just like, what's the point of running it back? He's just going to get destroyed again. I'm like, destroyed? What were you watching? I never, right. I didn't see anything in my head where I'm like, he does not belong. Whereas no. in the first two rounds with Khabib, I remember thinking, oh, McGregor, th- this is a complete mismatch. McGregor yeah. doesn't belong in the octagon with him right now. And that was when he was really rusty. He was off that two-year layoff where he just yeah. fought Floyd in between. That was the only action he had. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So I'm sure we're. And McGregor draws a huge crowd. So when McGregor's oh, fans yeah. like they're absolutely livid, are they oh pissed? yeah, I mean like people, have the, you know they surprisingly the crowd wasn't like uneasy, uh, like you know watching it. You still there, Joe? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I'm very stoic when I listen. I see that. Uh, the angle that we, where I was sitting, where we were sitting, the angle you couldn't see why he went down. Right, it, it, like so, I was like, "Oh, maybe we miss a, a punch, or whatever." And then they stopped the fight, and, and then everybody around us was just kind of confused on what just happened because it's like it didn't. I mean, he was being pounded on, but it didn't seem like he could like defend himself or anything. And then, then they show the replay on the big screen, and then like the, our whole group was just like, Ugh! like, like yeah. instantly. And then they kept they kept replaying it, and then I, I, you know, <sighs> could you guys hear McGregor talking? Well, he did, could you guys hear the Rogan interview with McGregor? No, because well, because you know it's so Irish. You know, it's like it's like watching a Guy Ritchie film. Where you have to like kind of like get used to it for a little bit. You yeah, know? yeah. Or like Peaky Blinders, where you're just like, oh, my wife was in my DMs. Yeah, yeah. Baby, yeah. the after party. I can't really do the McGregor's accent too. I could do an Irish accent, but I can't do that McGregor Dublin uh, where he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, you. Fuck, you'll do fucking nothing. Like you yeah. know, I can't you do Which nothing. I- I loved him laying on the ground, like helpless, being like, fuck you, you're fucking playing so my DMs. Still like, talking shit. Still this, selling the, the rematch. Oh, oh, we'll do it again. You didn't knock me out. A doctor ended this shit, like all yeah. that. I that, think what it was, and, I, and I've heard some opinions from other people, and you know, th- there is a case. I know people who don't like McGregor goes, it sounds like excuses, but they're usually when the leg breaks like that, there are stress fractures or hairline fractures before it. Um, well, he, and he, they, didn't he didn't they show the, the film where he kicks and he hit his he hit the elbow? That's where he believe it happened. At first, then he like went there. down. After, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he went to throw a punch that he just missed with, and then when he stepped back, it completely Ooh. went away. So and nice. but the thing is, they were taping up that ankle a lot during his his training. And uh, okay, I can give credit to did Andrew Schultz tweet this or did um. Someone tweeted, a comedian tweeted it, where they were saying that you get a break like that often because the bone goes to shit from overtraining. Uh, so that's where I can steal out of the McGregor anger coming from being like, yeah. I trained my fucking ass off for this. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. lose by breaking my own fucking leg. It's yeah. not because you knocked me out, not because you made me no. pack because I broke my damn leg. And, and at the end of a round that was a competitive round, you know, yeah. it was competitive. Even if every, if, if you want to score it, 10-9 or 10-8 Poirier. 10-8 implies that it wasn't competitive. No, it was a competitive round, as I was right, saying. Right. Um, yeah, that's going to definitely piss you the fuck off. And, yeah. you know, Poirier, yeah, McGregor ran his mouth a little bit because I feel like he thought me he was too civil with Poirier yeah. going into the rematch back in January. He's like, I was too friendly with him. I let my guard down. I got to go back to the old me. I'm going to talk all this shit. But you cross the line when you talk about someone's wife. Right. Um, 
Yeah, Poirier yeah. seemed mad when he said, oh, he said he's going to kill me. You don't talk about killing a man. Like, I think that's more of an expression, like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I don't think right, right. he's not bringing a gun to the fucking octagon. Like, he didn't mean no, he was actually yeah. going to murder you. Right. Um, it's just, that's just slang talk at that point. Uh, Poirier just- seems like a good dude, but I, I, I definitely see, and it happened after the Khabib McGregor fight. McGregor has a way of bringing out the worst in his oh, opponent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They beat him. And I He's think like they're a- so happy they beat him. Like, I yeah. just shut you up. But then they go in a kind of, you know, I don't, I didn't like Poirier doing the McGregor walk yeah, while McGregor yeah, was I like that. The crowd went crazy when that happened, for sure. Yeah, he's like McGregor's kind of like that, like toxic relationship where you're just like, how did you bring that out of me? Like, I don't, like, I'm not that person. And, um, it, I, I don't know, but like the energy behind all that, like, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I, obviously I wish that didn't happen, but it, like, the energy, it, it, it was definitely worth the experience, you know, like, and also it's like one of those fights where you're like, remember when he broke his ankle? You're like, oh, I was there, you know, like, it was, yeah, no, you'll forever yeah. be there because yeah. again, McGregor's such a story career because who knows what's really going to happen. He's already posting on Instagram and, and tweeting saying he's yeah. going to be back. Uh, he's, he had a, a video on Instagram today where it showed him like wheeling around. He's in, like a little wheelchair with his leg up. I think he's in Beverly yeah. Hills. Cause the street look, I'm like, I know that street. Yeah. And, um, and cause he's staying in LA, I guess, cause that's where the doctors and where they had the surgery. Yeah. But it's going to be at least probably a year at the earliest to get oh, back yeah. in. I mean, and, just a, you know, I mean, just a sprain takes months. You know, like four months to get over. You know, like this is like a fucking break. Yeah, I know. That was a nasty break too. The yes, type of break you need surgery. I broke my leg. I didn't need surgery. They reset it where they kind of had to like Ugh. set it to hurt like a motherfucker. They gave me morphine though. That stuff's all right. But <laughs> I didn't need surgery. Thankfully, whenever it's a break where you need surgery, that. Who knows Ugh. if he'll ever come back the same? He seems determined to come back. Yeah. Some people speculate he must have a deal with the, you know, because he sold a huge stake of that proper 12 for like Ugh. 200 million. I think have, you had, have, you, million. have you had proper 12? I ha- As a shot, I think it's terrible. It's I, had it with Joe, I had it with Joe McMahon okay. on an episode of this, like pff, uh, okay. when it first came out, I think I yeah. bought a bottle of it, you know? Okay. And we were like, all right, let's do a shot. We did a shot, and we all looked at each other like, oh, that's like gas. That's yeah. just not a good shot. Then we, we went. He had a, like a, he had a two liter of Coke. So then we just started doing proper 12 and Coke. And I said later, I'm like, I think it's pretty good with Coke because we knocked that bottle out pretty quickly. We drank the whole yeah. damn thing. Joe McMahon ended up puking at the end of the podcast. The only episode of Killgallon's Pub where a guest had to puke. Okay. Everyone, for a little backstory, this is a Joe Kilgallen podcast now. I used to call it Kilgallen's Pub because yeah. I would drink and often get drunk with my guests. Yeah. And then I, I realized I had to I've, change the name because I'm not going to be 50 getting drunk yet with people at, yeah, in the yeah. afternoon. I've blacked out during two year podcasts. And that was just as a listener, as a guest. You, as no, a listener, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the St. Patty's Day, uh, I blacked out oh, the first yeah. time and then I blacked out the second time. And uh, uh, so we did, the, uh, so like another bucket list. For us, that we kind of decided it was like we've never drank at the bar at uh, um, at Wildfire. What was it? Was it called? God damn it! Uh, Rainforest Cafe. Thank you, Rainforest Cafe. And uh, we like we we're like walking past to go somewhere, and there's a Rainforest Cafe, and there's actually a bar because most Rainforest Cafes they don't they don't have a bar like the bartenders in back, and for some reason, of course, in Las Vegas, there's one there. And then uh, we took, uh, and then the guy was like, "Do you want to do a shot for the?" At, you know, for the fight, and we're like, we must do it. And we did proper twelve, and I took it down, and then she took it down, and we just looked at each other and was like, "This is the worst thing I've ever had in my life." And I love Molorts. I love Molorts, which the, if people aren't listening, it's like the worst. Very liquor. Chicago. Very Chicago. Old. Versus, like they are notorious for 
tasting terrible. It's, it's really bad. I don't know. I might want to do a shot of proper. T- I'm just, I just have no taste from a Lord at all. Yeah. You guys, so many yeah. Chicago comedians love, and I think you guys started it as a gag and now you legitly genuine, you well, genuinely acquired a taste for it, yeah. which would probably happen with proper 12 if you drink it as much as Malort. Yes, that's true. I, I could believe that. I'm going to buy another bottle and um, we'll mix it with Coke next time and we'll see what you think. It's, but part of me thinks, cause I remember when it came out, people being like, why didn't they make it better? He's got such a big name. I go, maybe yeah, that's part of it. Maybe yeah. they made it so cheap that the markup of it's so high. Oh, for sure. It did sell. It made a billion in sales or whatever. It's, yeah. I remember Dana White talking about it when, when they were trying to see if the, a Khabib fight would happen. Cause remember he, so he won the, he became the first ever uh, guy to hold two belts at the same time in the UFC when he beat um, Eddie Alvarez yeah. at the end of 2016. That was November. Conor McGregor still, though. Look, I'm, I'm not putting him in any kind of he's, – he's probably not – maybe he's a top 20 UFC fighter of all time. Where I rank him, though, is that run. His prime might have been the best prime anyone's had yeah. because the way he went about beating – I think it was Poirier and then um, someone who was not that good in between and then Mendez and then Aldo. The Aldo fight being like one of the most hyped fights, one of the biggest fights in UFC at the time, and he starched him. Yeah. 12 seconds, 13 seconds. Yeah. Then, you know, so he wins the 145. He was going to face, uh, oh, what's that one guy? I forget his name now. Uh, DeSantos. And he gets pulled with an injury. They bring in Diaz, who was a pretty popular guy, but, you know, I think he had like a 10 and 5 record. He wasn't like, or 15 and 10. He wasn't a guy that was like up for a belt at the time. People liked his personality. Loses to him, even though they fought at 170 and he previously fought at 145. You give Diaz credit too because he took that fight like on twelve days' notice or whatever. Comes back, beats Diaz, learned from some mistakes, didn't mess around with the ground because he knows that it was his weakness, but still had that punch because he was he put Diaz on the ground like three times with the punch. Wins that in a decision, then comes back a few months after that, beats Alvarez. So McGregor from twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen and even through twenty seventeen because losing to Mayweather was really a victory. Just getting that fight was a fucking victory. Yeah. I told people long, like you already won by getting. Yeah, and he lasted as long. I can't. I, I rounds. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. So I'm like from 2014 to 2017, Conor McGregor's run, that being like his prime of being like on top of the world, was unbelievable. Yeah. And to the likes of which I don't know if we'll ever see again no. in terms of wins and popularity. Because yeah. there'll be people who go on win streaks like that. Like Habib obviously never lost, um, but even he had like a year off where he missed weight a couple times, so he never really had that that pure dominance. Uh, of being like the thought of as the top dog. Um, there's people have, who have, you know, defended titles longer and all that stuff, but to be the combination of winning, winning belts and being the huge, huge name that he was. Right. I don't know if you'll see that match up again or that. And, mix. and the business sense to transfer that into dollars is yes. like crazy. Like, like the money grabs he does is insane like what did he made what 400 million from proper 12 i was i i think they sold it for they sold 600 for like 600 million um and he got i think a couple hundred million from that some people think he needs to keep fighting for x amount of years to keep the brand high as part of that deal okay that's a rumor i've been floated of yeah but then i also heard a rumor where someone's like at any given moment if mcgregor say mcgregor as he's rehabbing this leg back decides shit i you know say he gets into camp and he starts messing around and he realizes this i'm not the guy i was and i can't fight without my without with one good leg right i just it's you know it doesn't make sense for me i've got a couple hundred million in the bank i got a beautiful family 
I'm rich beyond my wildest yeah. imagination. That was a really cool thing too. A reporter asked him like when they did like a Thursday press conference, I believe they said, here's a quote from you from 2012 or 2013 before he was even joining the UFC. He goes, I want to, I want to become, a, I want to be, I want to fight in the UFC first goal. Um, I want to have a belt wrapped around my waist. I want to have so much money that my kids, 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 uh, don't have to worry about money. Yeah, yeah. I want my girlfriend to have a car for each day of the week. Um, and you know, I want to dominate the sports and business world. Like he said yeah. all this yeah, and it happened. Did, did and you I know see a lot that? of people take joy in his fall from grace, but it's like that motherfucker already won. I know. Did you, did you see notorious? His yeah, documentary. It was a good documentary. Yeah. I just, I also watching like, just like, you know, how much he struggled and how hard he worked. I mean, he's, he's like the hardest working guy in one of the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. He was so active up until after the Mayweather fight. Before the yeah. Mayweather fight, he was the most active guy on the roster. Because there were times where they'd be like, what do you think about fighting this guy, fighting that guy, fighting this guy? And his whole thing was like, that guy needs to show me more. What's he fought once in the last two years? He goes, yeah. I want to fight workers. Like, yeah. that's how he was. And that's where I think a lot of his frustrations and the the poor decisions, like, you know, outside the octagon has happened. Because yeah. he's a dude that's such a worker that when he's not working, he doesn't know what to do with himself. Right. Um. You know, I mean, he, he came back. So yeah, in November of 2016, I only know this fresh off my head because I was reading it uh, earlier today. November 2016, beats Eddie Alvarez to become the first two weight class champ, gets the 155 belt to go along with the 145. Then he announces after that fight, well, my wife's due with our first kid, or not my wife, my girlfriend is due with our first kid coming up. So I'm going to take some time off. I promised her because she gets real stressed out when I find I don't want stress while she's pregnant. And everyone like gladly accepted that. Cool, cool. The only people yeah. who didn't were like Connor haters because I'm like, this dude is more active than anyone. He's taking some a break for family. After this crazy run, he was averaging three fights a year for four years in a row. Yeah. No one else did that. No. And so I was like, all right, yeah, he totally earned that. Then the Mayweather fight comes to fruition. He's not going to, of course, he's going to take a $100 million payday. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. duh, he does that. Um, takes a little break off that because then he launches proper 12 right after the Mayweather fight. And he launched the oh. fashion line, which I heard the fashion line is doing really well, too. It's called oh, August yeah. McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I bought something from there. Well, the sh the one because you remember he wore the suit with the fuck you pinstripes. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, they made and that's a shirt. I remember I was at some bar in downtown Chicago before the pandemic, and someone was wearing that shirt. Yeah, and I was kind of like, that's oh, a little funny. Um, anyway, he, though, so I think he also then made he comes back in 2018 after nearly a two year layoff to fight Khabib, who's one of the baddest motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who's a complete style mismatch for Connor, a dude who had been really active up until that point, and. You know, I remember thinking to myself, like, man, you think he'd want a tune-up fight? Why would you go that right. long to land to fight that guy? But yeah. that's where he's at now. He can't do tune-up fights. No. A lot of people are like, McGregor needs to work his way back up. And I'm sure in his heart he might know that, but not when you're making that much money. The UFC won't even no. let him. He wanted to fight Justin Gaethje during the middle. Like, a, you know, he he beat um, – he he, before 2020, he said my being inactive is what's killed me. Because, again, it was October 2018. He fucked – he doesn't fight – cowboy until january 2020 beats him yeah. at 40 seconds which we kind of thought that was going to happen um and then he's like i want to fight three times in 2020 pandemic happens he even said let me go to fight island dana white said dude i'm not having you fight for zero audience right you're my biggest gate yeah. i'm not i know this pisses you off and you're angry but think about it you sell out arenas i'm not going to have you fight where my only revenue is the pay-per-view dollars right just it's it'd be dumb on my end yeah because i know they jack up the prices a little bit more for counter fights as far as ticket sales go too so i i get that from the business standpoint but i also get it from his frustration standpoint you know um 
He probably liked the way he was when he fought Cowboy. He had a respect for Cowboy. He thought to himself, I don't need to talk shit about this guy. I respect this guy. I'm sure he respected Dustin, which is why when him and Dustin had the rematch earlier this year, he thought, I don't need to run my mouth against Dustin. Right. I think he liked being that guy. He's probably thinking, I'm a, I've got kids now. You know, there's, I, I'm getting a little older. Yeah. Pumping myself up by talking shit was selling fights before, but I don't need to do that to sell fights anymore. So I'm not going to do that. Then he lost. And after that loss, I remember when Joe Rogan was talking to him in the octagon, he was kind of like, I don't know how to feel. And some people yeah. were like, maybe McGregor's dumb. Maybe he's really lost that spark, which I think yeah. he thought he did. And then he's yeah. like, oh, I got to turn this around. So then he went back to the shit talking, yeah. which you know, dude, probably it, made it, Dustin be like, fuck you, dude. You know, you, you could see the intensity. I mean, I'm sure on, on television it, it read better, but like just even in – in the audience, you could feel like, oh fuck, he's not fucking, he's not fucking around whatsoever. He is like into this, the fight on last week, yeah, yeah. But Where, you know what though, I think like as, laser as gonna, focused. Yeah, as I was gonna say, I didn't finish my uh, my main point of that last little. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry, Joe. Excuse no, me. No, no, you didn't interrupt. No, you didn't interrupt. I got sidetracked, Jonah. Baby. Yeah, I'm kidding. Ba- I got sidetracked. Hey, Jonah, baby. Uh, I was gonna say that uh, Hans, if, if it is Bubby, Bubby. Bubby. If it was one of those things where he needs to keep fighting as part of any kind of deals he has to keep proper 12 relevant. Yeah. He could, you know, you know, if he called Vince McMahon tomorrow and said, Hey, when this light heals, I want to be at WrestleMania. Vince McMahon would be like, I will send over the paperwork right now. They would would... love him. Oh my God. Like if he can't, you know, if this injury is, is career ending for him, he has a two, three year run in WWE probably make like 30 million bucks um and like easy breezy three fights you know like like yeah let's say it's like um what ronda rosy did like you know just fight a little yeah. bit get a good payday and then just become and even more popular because connor's better on the mic than she ever was exactly. yeah, all, yeah there's all sorts of wrestling angles that write themselves too because becky lynch is still wrestling right yeah she's from ireland so. yeah yeah uh, yeah sheamus is from ireland what's yeah. his name uh a Balor or Baylor? What's his name? Yeah, Finn Balor. Finn Balor. He's from Ireland. Yeah. Um, so right there, you could have a little bit of like, here's a new Irish stable. We're taking. Yeah. Connor famously said when he was working his way up to the UFC or working his way up the UFC ranks that he goes, "We're not here to take part. We're here to take over." I could see him busting that line out and oh, having like sure. a stable of Irish wrestlers, or even him rival or, or fighting some of them. Who yeah. knows? Um, he'll have to keep the swearing in check slightly, but I'm sure they'll ha- happily bleep him because he's yeah. Connor fucking McGregor. See um, him walk out. With that fucking suit on, with the glasses on, there's like a little what, what, whatever underbite, he, the underbite he does when he's all like talking shit or whatever he does. Yeah, just like with that mic, like the crowd would lose their fucking shit. I would, dude. Like, those press conferences would, he had with Floyd were unbelievable events, unbelievable, and hilarious. Yeah, and yeah. It'd be just like that. They'd probably get the Rock back out of retirement to fight oh, him. Oh, for sure. And he's like a little guy. Rock. Yeah, yeah. And he's like a McGregor smaller guy. Going to movies. He, yeah. Or he could commentate. His future is set. It's not like if he stops fighting, all of a sudden he's just going to fade into nothingness. I yeah. think he'll find a way to keep himself. Um, you know, he could become a UFC personality. He could start whatever he wants. The guy could start a podcast. The guy could fucking do a lot of different yeah. things when yeah, you're that yeah. magnetic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like, I mean, he's got another 20, 30 years in his career left for sure. Like wherever he wants yeah. to take it, he's good. He's good. And even if the leg doesn't fully heal to the point where he could be a professional MMA fighter at, a, at a, even a good level still, because a lot of people who are like, oh, he's not a top fighter anymore. And I'm like, why? Because he lost to Khabib and Dustin Poirier. Yeah. Those are yeah. two of the top fighters going. I mean, yeah. you can still be a top fighter. No one's saying he's the best anymore, but right. it's funny because that's a, what a brutal sport. You can be the fifth best 
in your like weight class and people are like you're done yeah <laughs> like, yeah you're like i'm top like, five in the world yeah i'm just right? not as good as those other four guys you know yeah 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 it's like when people talk shit about like football players they're like that guy fucking sucks he's like he's the best player he's one of the best players in the country like what are you like what are you gonna yeah. go you're gonna go fucking tackle him like what are you gonna do like he's like he was the best player on your high school team like he was like next level or they yeah, were like crazy. next level yeah yeah he's like that guy fucking sucks it's like all right yeah. And even without a fully functional leg to be again competitive in MMA, it'd still be good enough for him to do pro wrestling. I know. You know, he might not be able to do flips off the top row, but I'm sure he'll still be athletic enough. Yeah, and they can it, Yeah, and they can totally like they can work the matches around that for sure. They do that all the yeah, time. Well, he's a great athlete. So if he puts in the work to yeah. learn wrestling technique, he could be a very you know, that's the thing that a lot of people like wrestling fans. I remember talking about this with our buddy Marty DeRosa after Ronda Rousey made her debut and he was like no people like her because she actually looks like she put in the work and yeah and she looks good in the ring so yeah good on yeah. her you know people like appreciate that where some celebrities go into the world of pro wrestling and they're just like ah what the fuck you know yeah, and they don't yeah, really yeah. take it seriously and they act dickish and they're not into it if he actually cared enough to and he might not maybe he goes nah fuck the world of professional wrestling i'm not into it but i'm also sure he, he likes to be an entertainer so i think yeah. he would gravitate well towards it for sure 100 percent. that's cool man any other final thoughts about it no, it was like, dude, like, it, you know, I, I would, if anybody has the opportunity to go see a fight, go see a fight. It was, it was definitely like one of the best experiences I've ever had for sure. It was great. I went, when is Tyson Fury boxing Wilder again? Or no, he's boxing Anthony Joshua or someone. Yeah. I don't is know. It Wilder. I want to see that one. Yeah. I want to do that. Like, my next, like, mortgage. my next, like, uh, next couple of bucket lists is like monster truck rally. I haven't done that yet uh royal rumble i gotta go to the royal rumble that's gotta be like the best right that one looks really cool you know what we gotta do i've been to a w uh we pay-per-view and a wcw yeah. one so i've been to like three pay-per-views in my life and they are a lot of fun yeah do you want yeah, to go to money in the i'm sorry what do you want to go we should go to aew and watch Colt yeah i want to go to an aew one because i love what yeah. they're doing so i want to support them yeah our boy Cole cabana so they're in they're in uh, town next month baby and that in town next month for those of you watching uh, any video of this, uh, I'm holding up a Chicago Dogs hat, and they're an independent league baseball team that plays in Rosemont, just outside of Chicago by the airport. And I went to a Chicago Dogs game last night. On Thursday nights, they have $2 beers. I say we get a bunch of comics together. Yeah. We'll, we get, a bu- watch let's a little- get a We'll get a bus. Take the bus there so we don't have to worry about drinking. Oh, get yeah, man. fucked up on $2 drinks. Bus back. Get fucked up at another bar. Well, the yeah. casino's right over there too. That casino sucks though, man. They need a poker room. I want to play. I want to get back into playing poker regularly. Oh, I got uh, back Hammond I, Casino has one. I know. I, I got. I got back into playing blackjack. I forgot how much I love playing blackjack. Because uh, the week then, so Saturday was a fight. Sunday, uh, we were like, I was like, do you want to do like a trash Vegas day? And that's when we went to Taco Bell. Got drunk at Taco Bell. Then Joe, there. It, When's the last time you were in Las Vegas? Uh, twenty sixteen. Okay, where'd you stay? Do you remember? I think I stayed at the Flamingo. Oh, so you're like you were downtown, right? No, no, I, I don't know. I forget the names of. No, I was right there on the strip. It was on okay. the strip. So there is this. <laughs> there's this outside bar, and anybody listening, if you go to Las Vegas, you need to experience this. There's an outside bar. I think it's called Carnival. It's right next to Harris, which Harris is like the ultimate like shitty casino. Yeah. They used to do dollar Michelobes. You get a dollar Michelob there and they don't do that anymore. I found out. But next to that bar, next to that, uh, I'm sorry, next to that casino is this bar called Carnival. 
it's an outside bar, but it's an outside flare bar. Do you know what flare is? That's where they no. flip. They flip the shit. Like they flip the uh, bottles and like cocktail. Yeah, but Tom like Cruise. yes, exactly. But it's never busy, right? So go there during the afternoon. It's just you, a failed forty-year-old bartender that has to do this now, and you order like a vodka soda, and they still flip it for you. They do all the flipping stuff, and it's just you, right? So you're just like. <laughs> You're like, you don't need to do this. You can just pour us a drink. And then, so we were there because Garth Brooks was in town. It was like kind of packed full of like 50 year old women and like old guys with like cowboy hats. And they had a, um, they have, they always have cover bands and they had, um, I think it was called original, original chaos, but it's a cover band. It's like, don't call yourself original if you're going to do covers the whole time. And they just did like 80s anthems and rock anthems. And it was like these 50 year old women just like fucking like drinking Vegas bombs and like flipping shit. It's just, it's so, it's so cheap for Las Vegas. And they pour like, they basically pour you a double every drink you have and you only have to pay for like a single. But it's just like, if you want like the ultimate, like perfect trash Las Vegas bar, that's like that scary. Like go to Carnival. It's like the most. It's my suggestion to anybody do that for the love of God. That's fantastic, dude. I I love that advice, man. Yeah. Look at you, yeah, providing a little value for the listeners at the end. Jonah, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. I always love talking to you. I'll, I'll text you afterwards to gossip with you for sure. Um, and see if we can't uh, grab a beer sometime this weekend. Um, where can people follow you? Right, listen to Pedals and Pricks, your Bachelor podcast. Yeah, the Bachelorette is going on right now, so we're doing the the recaps of that every week. That gets released on Wednesdays. Uh, make sure to do that. We have uh, it's on highest right now because the main star is gone. But never seen The Simpsons with Blake Burkhart, who's been on the podcast, and another comedian, Rebecca Gibson, been uh, on the podcast. Oh yeah, she's never seen uh, The Simpsons, so we we are going through all the seasons with her. With that, it's very fun. And then uh, you, yours and I show is coming back, I believe, in September now, I think. It means you should know. should be you back should in know. September. Everyone get pumped. Get excited. Same with uh, Blackout Diaries. We'll be back. Oh, hell yeah. 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 It's good yeah. stuff. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Joe Kilgallen podcast. I appreciate you all for checking it out. And I hope everyone has themselves a great weekend. Cheers.